Amen. Thank you, Colleen. I sure appreciate your help this, this today with this, whatever this is. Did a good job. <clears throat> and she's getting some practice in to become an accompanist. So she's going to do a great job. Romans chapter 12 is where we're at today. Romans chapter 12. So we've gone through the book of Romans verse by verse. Paul has taken on this, us on this great journey, focusing mostly on the righteousness of God and our relationship to that, to that righteousness. After a brief introduction in chapter, chapter number one, he began to expound on the sin problem that all of humanity had. And that was uh, uh, all, all of chapter, uh, rest of chapter one and most of chapter three. Uh, not, uh, not just all humanity as a whole, but me and you and you and you and you, all of us, amen? Sometimes we like to think of them, <laughs> but uh, it's all of us. We have the problem, don't we? And so in chapters 1 through 3, he talks about God's wrath on man's unrighteousness, the judgment that we all face, the hopelessness we have um, because we're all sinners, and then in chapter 3, verse 21, through chapter 4, verse 25, the end of chapter 4, he leads us to salvation and shows us how that works. And we are justified by faith. We cannot boast, not by the law. In chapters 5 through 8, Paul begins to promote sanctification. <clears throat> he tells us we have grace available to conquer sin. The law is there to point out our sin, and so that we can, uh, by God's grace, choose righteousness. And being free by the Spirit, we must live in the Spirit. Uh, then in chapters 9 through 11, the section we just finished, Paul began to talk about his relationship, God's relationship with his chosen people. And Paul said he loves Israel, even though he's the apostle to the Gentiles, uh, he still loves Israel, and God loves Israel, but God's chosen people have stumbled over Christ. Christ has become a stumbling block to them. And although the majority have rejected Jesus Christ, there are a remnant that have believed. And he said, we must be busy sharing the gospel so that more of them can hear. But one day, he tells us, there's going to be a revival in Israel. And they will turn to Christ. Not every individual, but uh, Israel as a whole. Enough of them to be able to call Israel uh, turns to Christ. Paul now moves into chapters 12 through 16, where some have said that he is done with the theological arguments and now moves into the practical admonition. But I think that there's plenty of theologic, uh, the theology, there we go, uh, theology, I almost made a big word there, <laughs> you should have seen what was going on in my head, but uh, that, uh, he's, I think there's plenty of theology in chapters 12 through 16. It just becomes more practical, I guess you could say. Uh, he is, he's, uh, is saying, <clears throat> excuse me, now that you have seen your need, <clears throat> now that you have seen God's provision, now that you've seen his plan for your spiritual growth, now that you've seen a picture of his plan for Israel, now that you have seen the depths of his salvation, let this motivate you to live the way you ought to live. And that's the whole point of chapters 12 through 16 and his move into those chapters. He's giving a call to action. Uh, now that we really understand the gospel and God's plan to see humanity redeemed from the power of sin, let us all respond appropriately and live for him. Uh, Steve Runge, in his uh, commentary on Romans, 
said, encapsulated it like this. And it's not, my thing's not working, so if you want to turn it to the uh, next screen there. He says, one of Paul's goals in previous 11 chapters has been to correct misconceptions. Not just to create right thinking, but to completely transform how we think. Once we recognize that we have all sinned and are under penalty, Jew and Gentile alike, uh, that we ha now have peace with God and that God is sovereignly working out his much-anticipated redemption of the world, the only reasonable response is for us to offer ourselves up in his service to him as a living sacrifice. Amen? I thought that was worded quite well. And only through the power of his Holy Spirit can we do this. Uh, through his word and through the teaching of the Holy Spirit, the, he begins to deconstruct our wrong thinking and reconstruct our thoughts according to the truth. Uh, we put off lies and we put on the truth. And so he begins in chapter 12, in verse 1 and 2, saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now here we see we need to be transformed, not conformed. And that's the title of our sermon today. Did I put the, I put the notes back there, right? Okay, good. Uh, so it's transformed, not conformed. And there's quite a difference between these words, as we'll see today. And Paul, in his transition to this more practical teaching, shows this in, first of all, not letter, Roman number one, the emphasization. I ended all these words in shun, so I had to kind of expound this word a little bit to make it fit. So, you know, you've got to make it fit. But emphasization. Uh, maybe that's the correct way to say it, I don't know. Uh, but all, Paul emphasizes the importance of what he is about to say by saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I beg you, brothers, listen to me. Uh, this ought to grab our attention as well, amen? Uh, anytime somebody says, I beseech you, they're, they're really trying to get us, and we need to pay attention. And this is important what he's about to say, and it is. And one of the most important things for the practical Christian life it is no accident that this is the first practical statement made by Paul, if you call this section the practical section. And so what is he begging us to do? Well, we see that, number two, the presentation. The presentation. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the word present is from the Greek word peristemi, uh, which has uh, also been translated throughout Scripture as yield. Uh, we yield our bodies when we present them to the Lord. We yield our bodies to the Holy Spirit's leading. And notice two important statements here. First of all, letter A, a living sacrifice. We sacrifice our lives, our will, our desires to Him. It's a daily, constant thing. As we live, we sacrifice. And this is why Paul says we do this by the mercies of God. And this prepositional phrase points to how we yield our lives as a living sacrifice to him. And what does that look like? Well, that life and that living sacrifice ought to be holy, sanctified, set apart. We're separated from this world around us. We are set apart from them. If we look and act more like the world than we do Christ, we're not presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. If we ingest more of the world than we do His Word, 
then we are not presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. We are to be holy, sanctified, set apart. And then he says this living sacrifice is one that is acceptable unto God. And this word acceptable means to be well-pleasing to God. And does your life, does your offering of your life please God? What you're giving to him, does it please God? Cain and Abel both offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And both sacrificed something for their offering. But one was obedient to what God had commanded and one was not. And one was acceptable and one was not. Your life is only acceptable when we live our life yielded to the Holy Spirit of God and His mercy and His grace. Uh, you know, whenever we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, I hear people say, well, I just don't want to do that, or I just don't believe that we have to do that, or I don't think I have to, whatever, that you fill in the blank with whatever people say. Well, they're doing the same thing that Abel did back then. But I don't want to give a lamb. I want to give of my hard work. Isn't that better? I worked hard for this. Isn't it better for me to present something that cost me something and that gave something? But that's not God's plan. That's not what God wants. It was not acceptable, pleasing to God. So when we offer our lives, we have to offer what he wants, not what we want. Amen? It's not easy, but that's part of being a living sacrifice. The notice, secondly, he calls it, letter B, a reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. It's a reasonable thing for him to expect this from you. The word reasonable means that which is of reason. That makes sense. <laughs> Comes from the word logikos. Log- uh, log- there we go. I'll get it, uh, get it right here. I still didn't get it right, but that's all right. Uh, where we would derive our word logical. Uh, it is logical. It is reasonable for God to expect you to offer your body as a living sacrifice to him. After all he has done for you. It is reasonable, it is logical that we should offer ourselves to him. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Christ came even while we were yet sinners and Christ died for us. God saved us, not by the deeds of the law, but by his grace through faith. After all of this and so much more, it is reasonable for God to expect us to serve him. It's reasonable. So we have seen Paul's emphasization. We have seen the presentation that is expected. In verse 2, Paul tells us of the rejection. The rejection. He says, be not conformed to this world. We're to reject something. Be not conformed to this world. It is reasonable to offer ourselves for service to Christ. But in order to truly do this, we have to reject the things of this world, the gods of this world. We cannot be conformed to this world. The word conformed is the word, uh, I'm always afraid of this word. Every time I preach this word, I'm always afraid of saying it wrong. But I'm going to say it wrong, so just, just, it's from a Greek word. There we go. Uh, Schizomatizo. It's close, but it's not quite right. Uh, but it's a, it's a compound word of two Greek words, soon, uh, which means together with, and schematizo, uh, there we go, uh, to fashion like is the word. It's the idea of molding something after a pattern of something else. 
Okay, so it's together and a fashion alike. Okay, uh, I think this uh, world's teenager. I think of this world's teenagers when I see this word. You know, I'm not preaching against any teenagers here. Okay, uh, but this world's teenagers. We've all seen it, haven't we? If you ask one of them. Uh, they'll say, well, I'm an individual, and I like the things that I like. I dress how I like, and I listen to what I like, and I do what I like. And yet they look and dress and act and listen to what everyone else listens to. They conformed themselves to an image, a popularity. And it's just, it's natural. It's the most natural thing in the world. They have molded themselves. They have conformed to an image. Oh, it's not the image of their parents or teachers, that's for sure. They choose not to do that. And that's what they mean when they say, I'm my own person. I'm not like mom and dad. That's what they're saying. But it's a conformity nevertheless. And Paul is saying, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Be set apart. Be not conformed to this world. Don't form yourself after the pattern of this world. Again, we're to be holy, sanctified, and set apart. And social media is a very dangerous thing, I'll tell you. And people follow famous people and try to make themselves like them. They buy the things that they, they have and they try to act the way they act. They look at famous athletes and famous singers and famous actors and famous people for, uh, that are famous for doing nothing. And they try to model themselves after their image. It's dangerous. And by this, the very opposite, this is the very opposite of what God wants for your life. Don't be conformed to this world's image. Be like Christ. Sacrifice. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to not be like everyone else. Reject this world's model and be different for Christ. Reject this world's philosophies and stand for Christ. It's getting harder and harder to speak the truth in this country. And it's, getting, it's going to get even tougher as we go through this age. But we cannot allow fear to make us conform to this world in image, in philosophy, in speech, or in any other way. So what are we supposed to be? As living sacrifices, not conform to this world, a rejection of this world. Paul turns our attention then to number four, the transformation. The transformation. He says, but... Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This word transformation is quite different from the word conformed. Where conformed means to fashion or after or a molded like, transformation comes from the Greek word metamorpho, where we would get our word metamorphosis. The process where a caterpillar is completely changed from the inside out to a butterfly. The same word is translated as transfigured in Matthew chapter 17, verse 2, where it says, and was, and talk about Jesus, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Jesus was changed, and they saw his glory that had been hidden. And they saw it first in first hand. This was the Son of God. They got an image just a little while, of who Christ really was in his glory. The Bible speaks of a final change when we're glorified in heaven, but the Bible also speaks about the process by which we become like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, 
are changed into the same image by, from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. This word changed here in this verse is the same word, metamorpho. We are changed from glory to glory. This word glory is the, uh, the word glory here, from glory to glory. It's the Greek word doxa. It, it, it is, uh, in its essence, means thought or opinion. So from thought to thought, we are changed. From opinion to opinion, we are changed. And so according to this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we are changed, metamorpho, transformed, transfigured. From glory to glory, from thought to thought, or opinion to opinion. Slowly by slowly, we give over to the Lord and we are changed. We are sanctified. There, this is where we see in these verses, be ye transformed, changed, metamorpho, transfigured, by the renewing of your mind. There it is, from thought to thought, the renewing of your mind. Changing it to be like God's thoughts and opinions. <clears throat> How do we do this? By the word of God. The word of God is what changes man. Psalms 119 verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Man can change his way by taking heed to the word of God. Not just hearing it, but taking heed goes further than going in the ears. It's action implied with it. We do something about it. It changes the hearts and mind of the person if we yield to him. How? Because how does that happen? How, how is that possible? Because the word of God is powerful, amen? And sharper than a two-edged sword. And it can divide asunder. And it can do its job. It is a living, breathing book that changes us from the inside out. Not just presses us into a mold like something else, but it, from the inside out it changes. 2 Corinthians 3.16 tells us, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. It, it is there for those purposes. The word of God gives us what we need to reprove us when we are wrong, to correct us to the right to teach us how to stay right. Paul says in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We're to put off the old and put on the new. The old man is patterned after this world. And Paul says, put off the old man. It's corrupt. It's deceitful. Be renewed in our spirit, in our mind, in our thoughts. And put on the new man that leads us to righteousness and holiness. Boy, what a transformation, amen? For what purpose, though? Why do we need to be transformed? He continues in these verses, our text verses, that he says that ye may, we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we live yielded to the Spirit of God, we are able to prove, to test it, to show its validity, show that it is good, show that it is acceptable, that it's perfect. It's a threefold description of God's will here. Good. It is good because God is fully good. Amen. Say so anything he desires or wills for our life is good by very definition. 
And there is no evil or darkness inside of him. 1 John 1.5 tells us this. It says, then, This then is the message that we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So the will of God, and that which we do that matches up with the good will of God, is good. God's, will, will, uh, God's good will is shown to us uh, as we renew our minds and become more like Christ. But not only is the will of God good, but he continues and he says, he gives us a second description. He says it's acceptable. And we've seen this word previous, in the previous verse. When he said that uh, we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's the same word. Acceptable means it is pleasing to him. When we do God's will, we please our Savior who has done so much for us. Those who obey God's will are acceptable to him. Matthew 12, 50 says, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Boy, I tell you what, that's acceptable, amen? And the Christians who serve the Lord is acceptable to God and approved by men, the Bible says in Romans 14, 18. He says, For he that, is in, that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. So to do the will of God, it is not only acceptable to God, but it helps us in our approval of men and helps us to do the things that God wants us to do. Now, this is not speaking of the world. Uh, it's not that saying that we'll be acceptable by the world if we do God's will. No, the very opposite is true of that. But when he's talking about that, he's talking about those who were around us, those who are working with us. He gives us the ability to influence men for good. Those within our influence, they'll accept us. They'll hear us when we tell them the truth. Will be acceptable and proved by men. Uh, the thirdly, Paul says that the will of God is not just good and not just acceptable, but it is perfect. The word literally means that which has reached its end. That's the literal definition of it. It means fully mature without error. And the perfect will has no defect, and it fully reaches the goal that God has for our life. I don't know about you, but I want to have that goal. Amen. If God has a goal for me, I want to reach that. Amen? Now, I may not. I don't know. But uh, God knows from the beginning of my life to the end of my life. And he knows where I fall short and where I struggle. And so I don't believe his goal is, I think it's just, just where I could barely reach it so I could keep striving. Amen? <laughs> but he knows me. And uh, that, that perfect will has no defect. It fully reaches the goal that God has for our life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17 says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That same word, uh, Greek word there, uh, to be fully mature. And this is the end, this is the result of our conforming ourselves to the world. But yielding to the transformation that the Holy Spirit makes in our life is through the whole Word of God. As we read the Word of God and as we hear the Word of God preached, the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts of things and begins to change our mind. We repent from the things that we have once thought. We change our mind. And from thought to thought, from glory to glory, we're changed in the likeness of Christ. Question is, are you yielded to God today? Are you yielded to Him? Or are you still holding on to something that you love and that you cherish more than His will? 
I'll tell you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I tried to run from God and his will in my life. And when I left college, <clears throat> I spent a few a year or so trying to my very best to run from God. And I had a stubborn dad who loved me enough to not let me go to the world. And uh, lovingly, patiently helped me veer back into the right. And I had a pastor who we ended up going to, uh, to church there, combined churches where my dad was pastoring. And, and the pastor there took me under his wing and loved me and helped me and pulled me in when I was trying my very best to get away. <laughs> but God has a will for my life. I was trying to run for it, but I couldn't run anymore. And God wants to do something in each of our lives. He has a will for each and every single one of you. As long as you're breathing, he's still got something for you to do. Amen? So we need to find out what it is and get busy doing what it is that he tells us to do. And some that, um, that do the will of God and, fu and fulfill God's perfect and good and acceptable will of God, they're going to rule and reign with Christ in the days to come. In the days to come, the 24 elders sing a new song. Revelation 5, 9, and 10 tells us, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God, made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Boy, what a day, Amen. When we, if we're faithful to him and follow him, we'll get to reign with Christ. And when we stand before the judge of all the ages, given an account for all that we have done, for good and for bad. A lot of people say, well, we'll never be judged for the bad things that we do. We'll never be judged for eternity. We'll never have the, face the eternal hellfire. No, but the Bible very clearly tells us that Christians will be judged for every decision that is made. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is the one for Christians, not the great white throne. The judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Okay, The Bible very clearly tells us we will be judged for that. And we will see all of our works go through the fire. That which was wood, hay, and stubble, those bad things, those things done with a wrong intention, I believe, uh, will burn, be burned up. A wasted part of life, the frivolous things of this world that we clung to, it'll all be burned away. But that which is gold and silver and precious stones, that which was done for Christ, that which is eternal, will survive the fire. Purified by the fire, in fact. And believers will be rewarded on this basis. Amen? Oh, how are we going to feel when we see our whole life go through that fire? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm going to be looking at some of that down there and say, oh, there's way more, I feel like there's way more wood, hay, and stubble that there should be. That's all going to be disappear. You know, I, want to, I kind of want to dig through it and see how much gold there really is in there. You know, I don't think we'll probably have a chance, but it's going to go through the fire and it's going to show and be rewarded by, for God, by God for what we have done. He tells us, offer yourselves a living sacrifice for God today. It is your reasonable service. Every day matters. Every moment matters. So yield to him. Because, Romans 14, 12 tells us, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. 
We're going to give ourselves an account to God for what we have done. We need to think of that through as we serve, amen? We need not serve out of, uh, out of the fear that is driven by, uh, by sinful nature, uh, but be driven by the fact that what God has done for us and the respect we have for God and his sacrifice that he's made in our lives and how he has changed us into a new creature. And out of respect and awe and fear in that way, we do what he wants us to do. And we strive to please him. Amen? Boy, that's the kind of life that God wants us to be. We didn't make it very far into chapter 12 today. But uh, I was, pre- I was pre- uh, studying along and time was filling up. I have a meter. The more I type into it, uh, the more the meter goes up and how long it's going to take me to speak. And it's fairly accurate. Uh, I don't know how. It's... AI, maybe. I know it's not. But uh, uh, it's, it's pretty accurate. And I was thinking, man, I'm not going to have time to preach the rest of what I was going to wanted to preach today. Uh, but well, there's, not next week, but there's a week after or something. Well, we'll get to it. And we'll keep going in Romans chapter 12. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. And uh, we'll be, be dismissed. And let's live our lives transformed, not conformed. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. And even in just two small verses, Lord, uh, uh, there, there's so much truth and so much uh, just practicality of us living the Christian life. Father, may we see it and apply it to our lives and yield to you in every way that we can. Pray that you help us, Lord, to live transformed lives today, change from the inside out as we yield to you and to yield to your word. Pray that you bless us as we go our separate ways. Help us as we finalize all the plans for VBS. Help us not forget anything and help us to uh, be, get everything done that we need to get done. And I pray that you would bless us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, before we go, it, I, it came to my attention that uh, there was some confusion about the chili supper. Uh, uh, we had the, uh, the, the ladies' uh, um, brunch, the ladies' brunch for the ladies in May, and this was, this was intended to be a men's uh, program, like a father-son type thing, but just all men are invited. And so if there's any confusion about that, just wanted to make sure you knew, uh, this was intended for the men of the church. Not trying to exclude you, but you had your day. It's our turn. Amen. <laughs> Have a great afternoon. God bless you. That's right. We're, that's right. We're not excluding you. We were <laughs>